a man who knows animosity is our next guest. Uh, our and ho- numbers. He knows numbers, and he also knows animosity and how to get under someone's skin. It's our hockey analyst, Mike Johnson, who I don't know if it was during your NHL days or your days as a Scarborough basketball all-star, but if you wanted to, you could trash talk, MJ. <laughs> Well, I don't know if you're like, like I'm a trash talker or am I just annoying? It could be, it could be interpreted either way. I'll tell you, well, it's funny because I wasn't much of a trash talker. I thought I just kind of left everything alone and didn't bother anyone. But I think when I started in the NHL, I was very naive to kind of the ways of the league, like just kind of the, the ways certain behavior might might bother people. And I, I guess, would kind of run my mouth during games a little bit and not like challenge guys like I'm going to kill you kind of stuff but just whatever comments about their ability whatever and I had no idea that that would bother anyone until it was Luke Richardson coach of the Blackhawks who like you know we, we fought once unfortunately for me but he like chased me around for a couple of years because he didn't like the way I ran my mouth the first couple of years of the league so um, apparently yeah I could at least for him get under his skin MJ, I mean, you, you, funny to hear you say yourself that you ran your mouth. That surprises me. You seem like such a college-educated, edu- sensible guy. Like, what, what kind of stuff were you up to as a young uh, upstart? I, I don't know. I mean, maybe because in college, like, you would maybe you do more of that because you never had you're, you're never going to fight anyone, right? Like, there was never any repercussions for doing it. It was just kind of the the, the 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 language that would go back and forth during game, and it was not very well. You know, super creative or anything, but um, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if the guy, you know, we'd get in a scrum and someone would push me, and then I would say, whatever, whatever came to mind. Uh, apparently, it's not always the most polite, but uh, as I got older, maybe I mellowed a little bit, or maybe I just having tired of having Luke Richardson chase me around for three years. I'm like, I probably should just stop this mm-hmm. just for my own well being. Well, since you bring up a guy who played for both the Oilers and the Maple Leafs, let's uh, talk about this game this weekend and. What kind of statement did Edmonton make last night against a Boston Bruins team that was on a 10-game winning streak that hadn't lost in regulation after leading after two periods and the Oilers win the game without McDavid and Dreisaitl scoring a goal? A a pretty big one. And there's a lot to like about that game. I mean, I think you just mentioned the fact that that they won in Boston in a game where it wasn't carried by Connor or Leon or Nuge or Zach Hyman or any of those guys. It was the depth guys that found a way to get it done. Like that is that has not been the norm. That has been something they've been looking for in a big game in a big moment to have somebody else step up and be counted for. That's significant. I also think it's significant uh, that in a game in which Stuart Skinner didn't play great, I guess, early on, left a couple goals that were not great, get past him, he shut the door the rest of the way, and he gave his team a chance to win. In a night where even, you know, he wasn't at the very best of his game to start, I think that would give the team a ton of confidence in the guy who was unquestionably their starting goaltender now. That's also something they can build off of. It was the second game in a row in about 10 days that Edmonton played Boston straight up, and Boston is the best team. Everyone acknowledges that, and, and Edmonton has been right there with them two weeks in a row playing. That should make him feel good. And the last bit to me, if he's at home, great in Edmonton. He's doing exactly what they hoped he would, stabilizing the second pair in pressure moments against good opposition. He doesn't panic. 
He moves the puck well with his skate, with his skating, with his passing. And so there's a lot to like. I know it's just one win, but against Boston this year, it's not just one win. How they did it, who contributed, and the fact that they came back and won in Boston, it's, it's, not, it's more significant than just a win against a good team. Johnny, what's a reasonable explanation or expectation for Austin Matthews tomorrow night, the last time these two teams played? He wasn't very good. They got mm-hmm. thumped. Um, Edmonton just won a big game in Boston. It's Saturday night. It's Matthews McDavid. Playoffs are around the corner. Like We don't want to get into this. It's kind of a Joe from the bridge type of approach where it's like, he better be the best player on the ice. <laughs> just What's the Mike Johnson smart, realistic expectation? Um, I think you'd like him win the five-on-five battle against Connor McDavid. And, and, and that means, like, that doesn't necessarily mean scoring four to Connor's three. That might mean scoring one to Connor's zero. Because, you know, depending, I think Tavares is going to play tomorrow night, but he'll probably face Connor McDavid a fair bit um, head-to-head, uh, given that they're at home. I, I don't know if it's going to be Sam Lafferty. I don't know if it's going to be John Tavares if he's playing on the third line. I think it's probably Austin Matthews to get that assignment. And so that's what I'm expecting. That's what I'm hoping for. I thought he skated well against Jersey the other night. Like, I thought that was a strong game for Austin Matthews. He scored the goal late, which, of course, everyone is excited about. But he played well prior to that. And so that's, yeah, that, that's where my mind would go. I would be like, you know, maybe not outscore Connor McDavid because the, the power play for Everton is ridiculous. But five on five, control play, create your fair share of chances. Connor's going to get his, but you need to get yours as well. And if you do that, Toronto will have a good chance to win, and that'd be a successful night for Austin Matthews. We were talking earlier, MJ, about you know the way Sheldon Keefe is mixing up the lines of late, and especially with Michael Bunting always making the case they should just you know forget the you know forget whatever message is trying to be sent to Bunting uh, right now. I guess today at practice he was on the third line with Tavares, Kerfoot was up with Matthews and Marner on line one. You know, what do you make? What do you make of the way Sheldon Keefe is approaching Michael Bunting less than a month from the playoffs? Well, I mean, I think he's acknowledging how important he is because he's he's working hard to get the best out of Michael Bunting, um, and I also think that Sheldon is thinking about playing three lines in the playoffs. I I think Sheldon's thinking about playing O'Reilly, Tavares, and Matthews on three different lines, mm-hmm. which means they got to spread those wingers out, which maybe means that Michael Bunting doesn't play with Mitch and, and Austin. He has to play further down with a Tavares, with an O'Reilly in a slightly different role, and he, he's trying to get him wired in to maybe play that kind of role. And I think Michael Bunting is a guy who, who has so much sort of spirit to his game that he takes that demotion, or whatever you want to call it, line shuffling, and channels it in a I will show you sort of attitude as opposed to a what was me sort of attitude. And that, you know, probably lets Sheldon Keith get a bit more creative with him. I don't have a problem with it. Michael Bunting's going to play a big role for the Leafs when he gets the playoffs. He's going to play the top three lines. He's going to play with a very good centerman. And so, you know, he, he's going to have a chance to be an impactful player. So I guess I'm, I'm okay with what Sheldon Keith is doing with Michael Bunting right now. Tyson Talkie Analyst Mike Johnson joining us on Overdrive. Uh, the Philadelphia Flyers making some news today, uh, Jody. And Chuck Fletcher is out. I don't know if the the lack of a deal for JVR was the nail in the coffin or not. 
They, they couldn't have been, man. Like, well, of all the things, that's not what's sealing the deal. Well, I don't, John? but I'm just, okay, maybe it's the last chapter in his, his days as a GM. Could be the straw. Could be the straw that broke the camel's maybe. back, though. Because the timing is peculiar, right? Like, if you're going to fire a GM. Exactly. Or somebody else, fire him before the deadline and let the new guy take on the deadline. If Thank you're you. not going to fire before the deadline, then then write out the season because mm. the new guy's not doing anything in the next two months because there's nothing really to be done unless they want to revamp the whole front office. And that's where this leads me, Mark, is that I think the Flyers, this change is not going to be just um, Chuck Fletcher out as the president of the GM. They're going to have to hire a new GM, probably Danny Briere. They're going to have to hire a new president because they're going to split that job up, as they've said. But I think, you know... The Flyers have been so influenced by those all-time great guys that have been around over the years. The Bobby Clarks, the, the Holmgrens, and the, the guys that were part of the great 70s team. And, and I think, you know, the, they, they might be turning the page and just kind of like, you know what, those guys have been so important and great ambassadors and Flyers for life, but maybe we have to move into a more to a different kind of front office shake, shake up. And I wonder if just getting a jump on that. So that is in place by the end of the year or heading into the draft and all those other things in the summer, maybe why they do it now. But it is, it's not so surprising that Chuck Fletcher was let go. Like that makes sense. They're struggling, whatever. It's more the timing of it, which raised my eyebrows today. Well, but does it seem odd that, that to begin this season, they hired John Torrella as the coach? Well, I mean, I think, again, this goes back to who's running the show there. Like, is Chuck Fletcher making every decision about the direction of the team? Like, I think more ownership and, and the people that are above team presidents are more involved in hockey off decisions and, and influencing direction than maybe we would want to acknowledge. And so, um, you know, I don't think Torts is a bad guy to have around for a rebuild. I think Torts is a teacher. I mean, I was on the worst team in the league in Tampa when Torts took over. And three years later, they won the Stanley Cup. Like, you know, he's okay with going through the process. Um, I just wonder, like, over the years, whether it's the risk to line in trade and then signing him, or whether it's going out and signing Kevin Hayes, or not signing Johnny Gaudreau. Like, I just wonder if that was all exclusively Chuck Fletcher's decision, or was this some sort of collaborative team hierarchy trying to, you know, have a say in what's going on the ice as well. I think it's maybe a little bit of the latter, which is not always a good situation. Johnny, we were talking about the wild card situation in the East with with pretty much everything else uh, wrapped up. There's still that could be a four team race between you know the Islanders right now are sitting in that first wild card spot. There's the Penguins right behind them, two points back, and then another four points back. You got Ottawa and Florida. I guess we posed the question to Cheryl Pounder earlier in the show. Do you believe in the potential of the Ottawa Senators finding a way to get into one of those two spots? I mean, I believe in the potential. If you're asking me to make a prediction of who's going to make it, the teams that are in the playoffs right now will make the playoffs when the season's said and done. Yeah. Um, you know, it's only four points, so it's nothing for Ottawa to catch Pittsburgh. <clears throat> nothing. Same number of games. They're six back of the Islanders, three games in hand, so it's, you know they could win their games in hand and be tied with them. For the Islanders, I think they're playing a little bit better as of late. Uh, you know, you have to like their goaltending to know that they're going to be in every game down the stretch. I just think they're going to be so consistent they're going to be hard to catch because you know Ottawa's not going to win every game that they have in hand. 
the Penguins feel more vulnerable, more catchable, perhaps, than the Islanders just because the goaltender is a bit more unsettled in Tristan Jari than, than Ilya Sorokin. Um, and the Penguins have sort of been scuffling along, you know, some good wins, some good losses. They've had some comebacks. They gave up one last night. That might be the team they have to go catch, but it's not just catch Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Catch Pittsburgh can stay ahead of Florida, who all of a sudden have Sergey Bobrovsky playing pretty well, and, and that becomes a bit of a challenge. They have to stay ahead of Buffalo, who was terrible last night and lost three in a row. But, you know, there's a lot of teams for not many, many spots. They have a chance. I don't know. Like, how are we feeling about Matt Sogard and Kevin Mandelazic? Right, right. On the stretch. I, it could be the Hamburglar all over again, and I hope it is. It would be amazing. But I just, you know, they have a chance, but I, I would not say it's likely than not. Johnny, what happens in Pitt if they don't, get, they don't punch a ticket? <laughs> is it like, okay, fellas, go get them again next year? Or what's that scenario? I don't know. Like, what do you? I mean, Berkey's in there, and they got Ron Hextall running the show. They re-sign Latang and Malkin and Sid, and they have a lot of good players. Yeah, I mean, I don't think changes would be coming to the front office. I think maybe changes would be coming to the, the players that they'll chop around defensemen and you know, Pat Marcus Pedersen, Brian Jumble, and they let you know they'll find ways to move out players. But I don't think they just say re-rack it next year, same group. I think they make pretty significant changes to the roster to build around. They've, they've committed to being good the next three years, right? Mm-hmm. That's why they have those guys signed to try to win another Stanley Cup with those guys right now. So they don't have the option of kind of taking a step back. They can only change the players to kind of keep trying to press forward, which I bet they would do if they don't make the playoffs. Should be interesting, um, you know, as, as much as it's uh, a little boring when it comes to the Maple Leafs and who they will play, the, the wild card races are going to live up to the hype down the stretch. So should be fun. Uh, Johnny, great stuff as always. Enjoy the weekend, my friend. All right, boys. Enjoy the snowy weekend. It's a snowstorm out there, so enjoy yourself. Yeah, we don't have windows in the studio, so we didn't... Uh, I'm, I'm letting you know. We, we, yeah, I, know. we appreciate it. We don't know what we're walking into in uh, about 40 minutes. But thank you for that. Appreciate it. When you ha- I, Listen, you have a remote car starter, Mark. I'm sure you do. Turn it on about 15 minutes before the show's over. You <laughs> I thought you were going to say, say start it now. <laughs> yeah, it's not that bad. It's not okay. that bad. All right. My rental cars don't have those automatic starters. <laughs> yeah, mine either. Oh, <laughs> preaching to the choir, buddy. You're preaching yeah. to the choir. Now, I can one-up you, Johnny. I've officially got two rental cars. They came back to steal my wife's truck. Good on them. They got both of them now, so enjoy. Wow. Fellas. Anyway, thanks, Johnny. We'll oh, talk geez. to you soon. Oh, well, well, we'll talk soon. <laughs> yeah, we'll leaving you on that note. Okay. <laughs> All right, boys. There you have it. Mike Johnson, our uh, hockey analyst. Oh, I was not aware of this. I'm sorry. Sorry to hear that, Oh. Yeah, it sucks. Apparently, they've been on the trail of the guys that took Mitch Marner's truck. Uh, yeah, I was just going to say, they just arrested, arrested two guys. a couple of suspects yeah. Yeah. in connection with the carjacking. Yeah. You know what might be a good idea, though? Let them go to jail for 10 or 15 years for armed robbery instead of getting out tomorrow and being back on the streets. Maybe it will make people think in the future about doing this kind of crap. It's insane. You know, there, there is a, a job opening... Oh, dog for mayor. Oh, dog for mayor. Let's go. Oh, dog no, for but, mayor. But if anybody in this oh, town or this mayor. province is wondering why all the crime is happening, it's because no one goes to jail for anything. They get out the next day. 
Like, let's smarten up here for crying out loud. It's a joke. Well, anyway, that's enough about that. One way to get your mood turned around, we're going to head to Florida and join uh, Bob Weeks, who's at the Players' Championship, three Canadians in the top ten. So looking forward to that. As Mail It In Fridays, brought to you by Boston Pizza, Canada's favorite sports bar. The push to the playoffs is here, and BP's elite lineup of pizza, wings, and ice-cold beer is always dialed in for game time. Hustle into your local BP tonight and try our new four-cheese ravioli bites, a game-changing appy that's here for a limited time only. Bob Weeks, after the break.